Hello and welcome to the Digital Insight, the technology, procurement and supply chain podcast that delivers valuable C-level perspective into the core issues surrounding business transformation and digital disruption. Each episode will bring you the most inspiring executive insights from those who are leading transformation strategies within the world's biggest and best-known companies. The Digital Insight. Disrupt. Transform. Avoid. Welcome to the Digital Insight, the official podcast series for Interface and CPO Strategy magazines. This week, we're joined by Dr. Paul J. Boileau, who has had a wealth of experience delivering digital transformations and strategies at some major blue chip organizations, including MasterCard, American Express, GE Money, Citibank, and the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. So my name is... uh... Paul Bello. I hold a PhD, an MBA, and a clinical de- degree in social work. Um, I am a graduate professor at Columbia University, and I'm an executive working on digital transformation, digital strategy, and data analytics. And combining these all in one powerful solution, uh, I've experienced working for large corporations. In the past, I've worked with an emphasis. I work for MasterCard, building out Apple Pay, Google Wallet, Samsung. I work for American Express, building out their marketing campaign system. I also worked for Citibank, building out global systems, and also for the Federal Reserve, building out gold tracking systems for them. Uh, So I play in that world of, I like to call myself the chief digital officer, chief digital officers, being the trusted partner of Fortune 500 company executives and being the voice of reason. Uh, I like to say 90% of my job is saying no in a very nice way so that organizations really could get to the point very quickly and understand new models in this world of digital. Because what has worked in the past will not work in the future. It is a completely different paradigm in terms of what organizations in the financial world and in the insurance world and in the government uh, and in fintech, you know, and in financial uh, and banking that they all need to actually start thinking differently. So my world is really like a Venn diagram where I have my academic Columbia University educational world where I'm pushing really hard trying to build the future data scientists in my executive world where I'm trying to educate executives and help them with their corporations and companies to be more effective. I think we first have to define digital for a company. And I think digital really is that that heart of why a company exists and what really matters. And it's really not about the company, but it's how you perceive the client that you're working for. And how do you make that customer experience greater in a very transformational stage? Looking at that customer journey and how do you make that person's life easier, simpler, and better? Because I think when you start talking about digital and digital transformation, I think everyone has a different uh, definition of it. Uh, Neither are they right, neither are they wrong. I think it really comes down to the customer and how do you use digital? And when I say digital, I mean digital data, innovation, transformation in that word, pushing forward in order to help the organizations make unbelievable customer experiences, which then makes a happy customer, which then allows the organization to really 
build a, a loyalty bond with that customer and then drive revenue. Uh, my fundamental belief is feelings drive actions, actions drive productivity, productivity will drive revenue. And if you don't have a happy customer, the whole system falls apart. And it's a matter how do you now look at data, digital transformation to make your customers' lives 100 times better. I mean, it's all about the competition, but it's all about the new people, your new customers. I mean, you have millenniums and young people. I mean, they're transforming every industry on the earth. I mean, they're, they're not putting up with things that maybe you and I would put up with. The minute that they don't like something, they're gone. Um, you know, one extra click, one extra step. And also, if the companies aren't loyal and they're making the lives easier for them, they're, they're gone. I mean, most uh, when you look at the data, you know, millenniums hate banks and insurance companies. I mean, they're it's terrible. They would rather bank at Google, or Yahoo or Facebook to have a greater allegiance to the tech companies um, than they do the traditional banking organizations. So it's really you can no longer take this mindset that here we are currently making all this money and our customers are coming. But when you look at the data, these large monolithic companies that aren't really engaging in a digital arena with these digital natives, they will not exist in the future. Their customer base is dying off rapidly. And the only way you're going to really you know, get them back is to really understand that customer and how do you make their lives easier. I think you really have to start thinking about this, this idea of a digital leader. And the first idea is that, you know, digital leader is a human being. And, and, you know, how do you make someone's life easier and better? But you can't just start like now. I think you have to make sure these organizations have a culture that's really supporting this idea of digital transformation throughout the enterprise. And sometimes you may have the will and you want to have the skill, right? So if you have the will, you could always buy the skill or get the skill to do uh, you know, to understand the, the version of a digital leader and what's it going to take to mastermind this cultural transformation. Or you have the skill and don't have the will. And that's why I see a lot of where people just don't want to do this. Because, you know, I mean, the, the, the world, it's tough, right? Most people don't want to change. And, and we're talking about a fundamental paradigm shift in the thinking of most organizations of how they behave. I mean, if you take banks, imagine, imagine you're, you grew up in a bank and you spent 20 years at a bank, and now you're saying, why are you even building a branch? I mean, I could go to the bank. This morning, I, I went to the bank four times today. I never left my office. I don't think this idea of a bank and branches exists today. You don't need branches to do what you need to do. And these are fundamental paradigm shifts that have to occur in the world and, and the millenniums and, you know, mobile technology and you bring in, you know, 5G. I mean, the world is shifting drastically and the underlying business models don't hold true anymore. Things that, I mean, it's interesting, things that when I grew up, things that my parents told me to do or not do are exactly the opposite of what people do today. So my mom would say, hey, Paul, don't go into a stranger's car. And what do we do? We use Uber and Lyft, and we go into strangers' cars, right? My mom said, "Don't, don't, don't let a, you know, don't uh, stay at a stranger's house." What do we do now? You have Airbnb. So everything that I've grown up with is very has that my parents said don't do. 
massive amounts of people are doing on a regular basis. So the models have shifted drastically. Yeah, I think if, uh, you know, I think people are really looking to be joined with companies that really respect them, that they really understand, and that they could be respected by the company and that they respect the company. They're not looking for organizations that are just looking to drive revenue from their client base and don't hold true to their ethics and their behaviors. They're not looking for companies to pollute the earth. They're not looking for companies to sort of take advantage of them. I mean, they're not looking for companies to pack in all these fees and look at the microscopic lining in, in sort of an agreement. They're looking for open, honest transparency, and they're willing to do business with on a massive level with these companies, make it easy for the customer, and then, you know, behave in a proper, you know, manner, and then actually build the trust and be transparent. And, you know, look, you don't have to be all, all things to all customers. And if you can't do what they want them to do, the fair answer is we don't do that, <laughs> right? Fair answer, you can't, I mean, it's just simple. I mean, you, you know, you just don't do it. If you're looking for an electrician and you're a plumber, don't try to be an electrician. You're just going to get yourself electrocuted. It doesn't pay. I think when you start thinking about digital transformations, about having the right digital leader, and having a digital leader who's actually human. It's not like you're, you know, that you're, you have to understand the human behavior and then embrace that and then make a bridge between the human behavior and the digital world. That's the first thing. And I think the digital leader really has to be this visionary, but you can't just have these ideas of where you want an organization to be. You want them to basically be able to share and, and grab people in the organization and share this vision and this belief and get people excited about it and actually feel and taste this vision of digital. And then you really have to walk the talk, right? You can't just be saying, here's the vision, let's go do this. You have to show people and you have to define it for the organization. And what does it really mean for people in the organization to be a digital organization. I mean, I worked at, at an American Express. I thought one of the best things they've ever did was they had this model and say, okay, these are the behaviors we want for an executive. This is what we believe are these models. And here are the tactical things that they look like. And then we transcended this down to every person. This is what it looks like. This is the behavior. This is what a digital leader has to do in order to transform and get a company ready for digital transformation. And when we talk about transformation, it's really rooted in this idea of change. And change is really one of the hardest things in the world to do. But the funny thing about digital transformation slash change is we change every minute and every day. Where you know change is a constant in our lives, but we sort of deflect it and we're afraid of it as opposed to embracing it. And then, and then obviously, you know, within the leadership, you have to be a change agent and understand that, you know, this is not going to be easy and, and don't sugarcoat it, right? I mean, you have to really be with the people, understanding the people, hear them out, you know, make sure you have their heart, minds, and souls, and then build that plan, build that vision, share in that, talk the talk, walk the talk, and then really inspire people and make sure that you're holding hands and work, walking forward together in the dark and say, look, you know, this is, this is what we're going to need. And then slowly but surely you're going to build this culture of digital 
that allows people to actually act and think differently and thinking about the customer and trying to make that customer's life easier and better and then intertwining new data, new innovation, new thinking, new models. And I really believe it's about the leadership. This is your first stage of this. And, you know, what I've seen a lot of times in my experiences is that a person in an organization who's been in the company a long time has been anointed as the digital leader. But in those cases, you just get the same thinking. What you really have to do is be bold and get a person who sees the company differently, who has the experience as a digital leader, who understands human behavior, who understands innovation, who understands technology, who understands the customer experience, and then that could lead and change the organization. And you have to be a change agent. So in my experience, I've seen um, chief transform, digital transformation officers, but when you look at their background, they've been in the company 20 years. So I just don't understand how this is going to help you. It's just because you've been in the same company 20 years, you, you're going to think a certain way, <laughs> right? And that's the same way that you've had, where you have to really radically change the way you're thinking and deal with the fact that this will not be easy. So a lot of the, the things that I've seen is the misguided step of the first piece of the leadership. And then the second piece is really not being clear in terms of what you want. And you just don't want it to be a, a, a shiny object. And you can't have digital in a box, right? There's no such thing as, okay, uh, you're the digital person, go at it. It has to be at the board level. And the DNA of digital has to be, con you know, has to be um, part of everyone's mindset in order to make this work. It's not, okay, it's digital, right? Digital's in the corner over there. And then you have technology in the corner over there. And then you have the marketing over there. They all have to be digital. They all have to be under one roof and playing the same game. So what I see a lot of times is the fact that, uh, you know, it's not digital in a box. It's digital at the tip of the spear leading the organization in order to do a formative transformation and having the right objectives and identifying what those objectives are. Is it the enhancement of the customer experience end to end? Is it digital and transformation business processes? Is it the simplification of a service management system? Is it the optimization of infrastructure? Is it the insights and the analytics that will drive competitive advantage? So you really have to focus in on what you're trying to do. You can't just paint with a broad brush. You have to have these identifiable objectives attached to your long-term vision in order to transform these organizations. And then the second piece you really want to make sure is that you actually have the right technology in order to enable this digital transformation. And what I've seen a lot of times that people are selecting the wrong technology stack and they're not being bold enough in order to, you know, make this happen. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fear of change and the fear of just failing. So failure is a critical piece that you have to sort of embrace because you will fail. You're going to have problems. I mean, stuff's not easy. So the quicker you could sort of embrace this, the quicker you can get over it and move the organizations forward. It's this ability to embrace change at a very rapid pace, the ability to think and act quickly. I mean, some companies really are not that different from each other, but the, the ability to react very quickly to the marketplace is their competitive advantage. 
I mean, when you look at when you look at Apple, you know, I would consider them a major learning organization. Learning in the sense that they understand the market, they have feelers out, and understand where the market's going, and then react very quickly. And that's not easy to do, but they have a mindset of reacting very quickly to the marketplace. And that was what I would call a learning organization, a, a, a very quickly being able to assess the information in the marketplace and react to it. As opposed to, you know, and that reaction could be new technology, new customer insight, new trends that are happening. But there are other organizations, like you can almost say the Postal Service, they're super interesting technologies, but, you know, it, they're not being embraced. To just the culture, you know, as an example, government agencies that some of them aren't embracing technology at the pace they need to be competitive. The massive amount of new data coming to the marketplace. So, you know, we're talking about satellite information now. I mean, there, there's a company called planet.com. Um, historically, the, the U.S. government was the only ones who would actually um, be able to take satellite photography and then share it. Most of them are spy satellites. But now you could actually take a picture of the entire earth on a 24 hour basis. So this amount of data is really transformational in the term, in the way we're thinking about different ways that climate are being impacted, different ways that farmers now farm, different ways that cities can now be thinking about their population growth. It radically changes how we would use data in the future, this, this whole idea of unstructured data. So one shift I see is that this new source of data is now needs to get harnessed to drive better actionable insights. That's one thing. Two, what I'm seeing is, is 5G and then quickly followed by 6G. We're talking about zero latency here. Once you get to 6G, it's almost like real time. So imagine now having the ability to almost have it real time. I mean, it transforms every aspect in every industry. I mean, think of the educational world. Instead of having, you know, a video conference, it's almost like you could have your student holograms on an online class. It just moves so rapidly with zero latency, which allows customer experiences to be real time. And then when you take the data, and you take 5G or 6G, and you start building prescriptive models, you literally could be in that moment of a conversation and, and really moving your customer mindset in that moment. So I see this idea of new sources of data being paradigm. I see this idea of new technology, 5G plus 6G coming into place. I see this idea of really organizations pushing innovation. Uh, a friend of mine from Frost and Sullivan used a really interesting word, and he said it was innovation to zero. So instead of just setting up these labs and these innovation centers to do, you know, move the needle a little, it's really moving the needle to really a complete elimination of what you're trying to fix. So hypothetically, if you sort of have an innovation, your goal is to clean the ocean water. The goal wouldn't be to clean the ocean's water of all the garbage in there. It's actually make the ocean even better than it is. And this whole concept of innovation to zero is critical. Then I also see this, this, this idea of people's mindset and how they're going to be approaching 
with machine learning, artificial intelligence, and avatars. I see this, you know, coming to play in the medical world. I can't see most people now going to a doctor when I could go to my mobile phone. So when you add in data, 5G plus, you know, 6G coming, plus the idea of machine learning and artificial intelligence, my, my doctor will be in my back pocket here on my mobile phone. Whenever I'm sick or ill, I see that coming into play. But the reality of it is when you bring in all that information and you bring in the Internet of Things plus the Internet of Humans, my expectation is, is that my entire biological functions will be monitored on a regular basis and I wouldn't get sick because the focus of medicine currently is when I get sick. I see a paradigm shift into preventing me from ever getting sick. And when you actually have this inf information of, of who I am and what I do, and I'm tracked on a you know 24 by seven basis, the data will tell me that, hey, Paul, Wednesday at two o'clock, you're gonna have a cold. You need to take more vitamin C or take a nap or whatever it may be. And I see that in this field, that medicine wouldn't be you know, trying to fix the problem you know, or, 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 you know, to heal and fix me up when I'm sick, it would actually be to prevent me from ever getting sick. When I look at the banking world, it's very transaction based. What I see is that banking will become more of a, a lifestyle, an ability that the bank will create this financial force field around me and help me make financial decisions at that time. So if I'm about to buy a new computer, my financial bank will say, Paul, don't buy the computer here, go up the block and buy it, or go online at Amazon and buy it, or go out and buy it at, at uh, a, an electronic shop at Best Buy, because they will be doing all the research for me to get me the best price. So this idea of banking will be transformed. It will actually be part of my life, not transaction-based, but I look at it as sort of this invisible force field and be part of my lifestyle and helping me make my financial goals. I don't see people really spending a lot of time on paying bills or when someone gets paid, right? You get paid and then you say, okay, I got to pay the rent or I got to pay the car bill. I got to pay the oil bill. I think what's going to really happen is, is banking will actually take this process and do a better job. My expectation is, is that my bank will call me up when I get paid and say, Paul, we just want to let you know, we paid the rent, we paid the car bill, we paid the oil bill, your mom's birthday is tomorrow, we sent her a dozen roses, and by the way, there's this really cool stock, tech stock that you want that I bought you 100 shares. I'll talk to you in two weeks. Now, what it has done is that the bank has been transferred from a transactional base to really being part of a lifestyle and building this financial force field around me to actually give back time so I don't have to deal with that. I mean, paying bills doesn't add any great value to anyone's life. If anything, it just consumes time. So what I'm seeing is, is the fact that, you know, all these transaction-based um, activities we do, I think they're going to be eliminated. I also see anything that's moving will be autonomous. The fact that you have a car, 
I mean, I don't think anyone really, maybe this is different in Europe, but what I see among my peers and executive friends is no one really likes driving anymore. Even young kids don't want to drive. So I think any movement will be really geared towards more along this idea of any mo any motion will be autonomous because it's not really adding any value. I don't think people are enjoying the idea of going from point A and point B driving. I think they just want to get to their destination as quick and easy as they can. So I, I see these ideas of innovation, autonomous activities of motion, the transformation of data in these all these new sets of data, and this whole idea of our current models with the idea of bringing 5G and 6G and innovating to zero is what's really going to transpire. And this is what worries companies, but also, you know, opens up new and exciting doors for other companies to uh, emerge. It scares a lot of people, but, you know, you, ha don't, you know, it's coming. It's coming. You have no choice. I mean, there's no, there's no, it's like, Andrew, there's no stopping. It. It's like the sun's coming out. I mean, this is, this is the funniest part, you know, being a, a digital leader and, un, you know, in counseling large fortune 500 companies, it, it's, the, you know, you could either listen to me now or listen to me later, but at the end of the day, it's coming. It's a matter of when do you want to come to the realization that this is impacting your business. Thank you for listening to the Digital Insight Podcast in association with the Interface.net and CPOStrategy.com. The Digital Insight is brought to you by B2E Media Limited. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please remember to subscribe, rate and review. And don't forget to check out our podcast archive at www.b2e-media.com forward slash the digital insight.